200 residents at a Toronto apartment building are on rent strike. Suncor plans to celebrate Danielle Smith's new election by laying off 1,500 people. The death count for a man who sold sodium nitrate continues to rise, and a new paper shows that medical algorithms are underdiagnosing black men with certain breathing-related illnesses by as much as 40%. Good morning. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. Some 200 residents in a Toronto high-rise are on rent strike. The building is near Lawrence Avenue and Weston Road, and the landlord has been trying to raise the rent, squeezing especially tenants who are on fixed incomes. The owner is a company called Dream Unlimited. How terrible is that? They bought the building in 2021, but in the past decade, the owners of the building had applied six times to be allowed to increase their rents higher than the guidelines would permit. Owners can make this appeal to the landlord and tenant board if they want to raise their rents higher than rent controls allows, and they blame it on things like doing renovations or other things that cost extra money. In 2023, rent could not rise higher than 2.5% unless landlords had this special agreement. According to Chiara Padovani from the York Southwestern Tenants Union, two of the requests for above-average rent increases are still pending, one from 2019 and one from 2021. The tenants have three main demands as part of their strike that the request for the rent hike be dropped, then no more above-average rental increases be requested, and that tenants be compensated for having lost access to services during construction. They were not allowed on their balconies due to one of the repairs, for example. The work on the balconies, says Dream United, is critical to safety. But why would anyone be expected to pay the same amount of rent if they aren't able to access all of their space? Of course, it makes sense that tenants would pay less in rent when they couldn't actually use parts of their space, even if their balconies were hanging off the walls, for example. Anyway, all power to the Yorth Southwestern tenant strike. Look for ways you can support them, especially if you're near Lawrence and Weston. Next to Calgary, where Suncor has announced that to celebrate the recent election of Daniel Smith, it will be laying off 1,500 people. The job cuts are part of a plan to also cut $400 million out of the company in 2023. The letter that announced the cuts was written by CEO Rich Kruger, and it said, quote, I assure you that decisions like these that affect people in their lives are not easy to make or taken lightly. However, at this time, they are necessary to ensure the ongoing competitiveness of our company, unquote. Suncor employed 16,558 full-time workers at the end of 2022. That was a few hundred workers less than they had employed in 2021. Despite the fact that Suncor is saying that they need to make these cuts, CBC's Kyle Bax reports that Suncor's fourth quarter profits rose by 76% over 2021. They made $2.74 billion in the last three months of 2022. Of course, Danielle Smith won't wear this decision the way that Rachel Notley would have worn it had she won the election, but these cuts are a good reminder that either workers drive the just transition or the transition drives the worker, and it is unlikely to be just. What we should watch for, though, is the number 400 million. If Suncor could convince Daniel Smith to hand them 400 million, I wonder if they would decide to keep the workers for another year. 
Next, I have an update on the story of Kenneth Law, the Mississauga man who'd been mailing out sodium nitrate to people through the internet, who then used the substance to take their own lives. The number of people who Law is thought to have aided or abetted has risen to at least 21. CTV seems to be the only news outlet tracking this data. Many of the individuals were in London, England. Some passed away and others didn't. They are being referred to local support services, says the London Metropolitan Police. There was also a death posted near Bristol and eight others who received the sodium nitrate but who didn't die. Law has so far only been charged with two counts of aiding and abetting suicide in Mississauga, but Peel Police have said that he sent out 1,200 packages to more than 40 countries. CTV has tracked deaths in the UK, the US, New Zealand, and Italy. In Canada, he's linked to deaths in Durham, York, Toronto, Mississauga, and Regina. Law has pled not guilty, arguing that it's not his business how his products are used. And finally, a new report has been published in the journal JAMA Network Open and has found that as many as 40% of black patients in one study might have been diagnosed with breathing problems if the technology that's used to diagnose and assess was changed. There are race-based assumptions built into the diagnostic software, and it's missing as many as 40% of black men's health issues, says this study. The article explains how racist assumptions that have existed, quote-unquote, for centuries have, quote-unquote, ended up in modern guidelines. The writing in this piece from the Associated Press is pretty weird. It relies on scientific racist ideals from, like, the 17 and 1800s to kind of justify how these things, quote-unquote, ended up in modern algorithms. It feels like you don't really need to reach that far back in history to see how racist assumptions could be built into tech. It feels like maybe the Associated Press is giving modern racism the benefit of the doubt. Anyway, two examples that the article gives are assumptions that black men have higher kidney function and lower risk of heart failure. Both assumptions would screen out many black men from care that they might otherwise need because they assume certain things that aren't actually true. The study looked at more than 2,700 black men and 5,700 white men who were tested by University of Pennsylvania health doctors from 2010 to 2020. They examined the spirometry and lung volume measurements and tested them with the old algorithm and then with a new algorithm. Through doing so, they found 40% more cases that should have been diagnosed that were missed under the old racist algorithm. Now, this story has a strange note at the bottom of it saying that money from the Howard Hughes Medical Institute's Science and Educational Media Group goes to the Associated Press. It's not clear if money paid for this article, but AP assures us that their journalism is still their journalism. So I don't know. I'm just noting that. Those are your headlines for Friday, June 2nd. It's Friday. I'm still in St. John, and I will probably be back in Quebec City by the time you hear me on Monday morning, unless Air Canada's system-wide outage is still on. (laughs) I hope you have a great Friday, and I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you on the other side.